Welcome to the Frontline Response to Health and Homelessness podcast series. This series is based on the articles published in the March 2020 edition of Parody Magazine, which is available on the link accompanying this podcast. That magazine and this series give voice to those with lived experience of homelessness, those working on the front line, and those that support the sector in delivering services to people who are homeless. My name is Dan Fleming, and I'm delighted to introduce our host, John Willis, who leads the inclusive health team for St. Vincent's Health Australia. John's going to introduce our guest in just a moment. As we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, both John and our guest will be with us by phone for this episode. John Willis, over to you. Thank you, Dan. I'm pleased to welcome Vincent Cornelis, who is the medical unit manager and staff specialist at the Curtin Road Centre in Sydney. Now, Vincent, you're one of the doctors at the service, which provides a primary health service to those experiencing or at risk of homelessness in the Sydney inner city area. Great to have you on the series. How are you going today? Hey, John. Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Oh, pretty good. It's a little bit frisky down here in Melbourne, but it sounds like you might have a bit more sun up your way. But, uh, yeah, well, your article um, covers the, the Curtin Road Centre and the services you provide, um, and, it, and it goes into a bit of detail about a review and, and, and other elements. But you, as one of the doctors, we're really keen to have a chat about your perspective on the services you provide and, and uh, some of the feedback you've had from the people that you provide a service to. But let's start with, for those that are unfamiliar with this, and I'm one of them, uh, can you tell us a bit of a background to the Curtin Road Centre and about when maybe and when it commenced and why it's established and what services you provide? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think Curtin Road Centre is a bit of a well-kept secret in the King's Cross area, maybe. <laughs> because we certainly try and make people aware of it. So thanks very much for letting us join this podcast. Um, please yeah. raise awareness for the service. Um, so Curtin Road Centre has been in the King's Cross area for more than 30 years. It was established in 1987 in response to what was then seen as a, uh, a crisis around uh, people overdosing and on um, opioids and heroin, as well as the emerging AIDS crisis at the time. Um, and Curtin Road Centre is sort of part of New South Wales Health and is a, uh, a primary care facility, which um, is somewhat unique, I think, in that um, all our services are free of charge. Um, people can walk in without an appointment they don't need Medicare. Um, they don't even have to give us their real name. Um, we do like it if people keep using the same name that they give us every time they come in. Otherwise, it's always a little bit confusing. But it doesn't have to be their real name. So it's fully confidential. Um, and in terms of the, the services we provide, it's, it's a, a quite a broad range of services that um, are relevant to people who may be living on the streets, uh, either in the King's Cross area or further afield, or people who um, are having difficulty obtaining stable housing. So uh, a lot of our work is conducted by uh, counselling units um, who are very proficient at finding people accommodation and getting them uh, onto centrelink and sorting out things like Medicare cards and whatever else they need, as well as providing a comprehensive uh, counselling service to assist people with their mental health. Sorry, I'm not bringing here. Um, and uh, so that's the counselling unit. Then we have a, a large team of nurses who are uh, uh, all very highly skilled. Um, we have specialist nurses who um, look after hepatitis C, um, who uh, look after a drug and alcohol program. And then we have a team of doctors. So 
sort of working together, and it, it's really a team. It's a team of clinicians working together to hopefully achieve the best possible outcomes for each client that comes through the door. And working together, we provide services like drug and alcohol services. So we have uh, a methadone and suboxone program for people oh, great. who use um, opioids. Um, yep. We have a needle syringe program. Um, we have uh, HIV care services, hepatitis C uh, services, sexual health services, um, general medical care as well. So if someone comes in and they've got, say, an infection from uh, having uh, injected something um, or if they've got abscesses somewhere as a result of injecting, we can look after that as well. So it's a really broad sort of range of services that we provide. Wow, that, that does sound comprehensive. I just had a, a, a question that dropped in my mind there, Vincent. Do, do you have a patient who turns up with a different name and you say, but hang on, I saw you last week and you were called Johnny last week and you're now called Peter? Is that, do you ever have that? Oh, no, it does. Uh, there are a few clients who come in who use different names on different occasions. Um, they do, uh, as far as we know, they're all regular clients, so we right, know okay. who they are, so we can make sure that their <laughs> records still match up, because that's obviously one of the difficulties, is if someone's using different names at different times, and they end up with multiple medical records, um, and it becomes difficult to provide continuity of care. I can um, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. That means you need to be adaptable and flexible, but it, that, that allowing clients to um, have that confidentiality and know that they can come and... and basically be who they need to be at that particular time and for you guys to flex around that. That sounds, yeah. uh, that sounds really good. Well, we're really so trying to be a, a, a really low barrier service. So we, we want to be a service that's very approachable and that people feel comfortable to come in and be who they are and who they want to be uh, without having to, uh, to pretend to be anything other. Yeah. And you've got an outreach component as well, I think. Is that what you mentioned there? You've got people that do go out and see people as we well? We have an outreach component. So our main building is in King's Cross in the old fire station across uh, the road from the famous Coca-Cola sign. Um, but that's just one part of the service. That is obviously the main part of the service in terms of our staffing and service provision. But we have several other smaller clinics um, around Sydney. I've got one in Sutherland, um, and then we've got Clinic 180, which is also in the King's Cross, Potts Point area. Um, and we have a mobile service. So we have um, a bus uh, that goes out to different locations each oh, month. Okay. Sorry, um, this is six days a week. Um, and on that bus, um, lots of bus and a van, because so, we have to fit everything on. But uh, <laughs> we have uh, several staff members, so we have a doctor and nurse, um, uh, at least one counsellor and at least a health education officer. Um, and the, the purpose of the outreach service well, it actually has a, a few different purposes in that we, um, one of the, the new purposes for the service is uh, coronavirus testing. So we go out to these uh, locations to offer people or at least assess people uh, for whether they would benefit from having a coronavirus test and then perform the test. Um, that does, that sounds you know, fairly straightforward, but it's actually very involved mm. in that oh, if yeah. someone lives on the street and they are deemed to need a test for coronavirus, then they also need to be enabled to be able to self-isolate. And as you can imagine, if you're living on the street, then self-isolation is uh, a difficult feat. So mm. um, our counsellors then work with that person to find the suitable temporary accommodation. Um, and 
usually at the moment that is um, in hotels around the city. So a few yeah. of the hotels in Sydney have um, opened up their rooms to uh, this sort of temporary, emergency temporary accommodation need. Mm. Um, that's, so it actually becomes, you know, it sounds simple to just do a swab for someone and test it for coronavirus, but it becomes quite an involved process that often takes uh, an hour or so of uh, staff members' time to do one test. Uh, that, and that is obviously going on in parallel with the other services that are provided in, um, in that outreach setting. So the other services we provide are um, sort of general practice service on the outreach bus. So yep. again, if someone's living on the street and they don't have a doctor, then they can come to us and we can um, you know, check whether they, for example, at the moment, this person, whether they've had a flu vaccine this year, we can give them a flu vaccine, um, we can give them a pneumonia vaccine, we can see if they've got any uh, skin infections or ejection-related injuries. Um, I had a guy the other day who had a chest infection, so we, you know, we were able to sort them out for that and carry uh, medications and antibiotics as well as the vaccination. So right. we're going to try and tailor the service to um, what people need um, in the areas that we frequent. Right. And and do you refer people to to the hospital and then also get people from the hospital at times? Um, we do have a close working relationship with uh, St Vincent's Hospital because it's yep. a homeless health um, team as well as the mental health team and the emergency department um, yep. and the infectious diseases team as well. Um, and we also uh, have obviously close working relationships within our local health district. Um, so St Vincent's Hospital is only 500 metres down the road from our facility, but yep. the uh, interesting nature of the uh, health district in Sydney, they're actually separate to the local health district, but um, yes. we certainly have a close working relationship with them. And with, uh, the other good thing about the outreach service that we have is that it allows us to engage with people who uh, may not have engaged with our service previously and may not have heard of our service. And then we can, um, you know, through interacting with them on the outreach service, you can create a sense of um, familiarity, I guess, and comfort uh, on their part. So they can meet us and they can see how we work and what our ethos is. And then hopefully, mm. hopefully as we aim for, that they feel comfortable enough to come and visit us in our main clinic. Well, that's, that's a good a segue, Vincent, into the next question I was going to ask you was about this thing of client satisfaction. So in the article that you um, that your organisation published in Parity Magazine, there was a, a, a review of your service and there was some patient feedback or client feedback was included. And I just love this comment. One, one, of the, one of the clients said, maybe a coffee would be great, otherwise don't change. So I, I suppose the initial question I have, did you get a coffee machine? <laughs> uh, uh, I, know, I love that feedback too. Um, you can't get a much better compliment than that. Um, unfortunately, because of coronavirus, what we normally have, uh, I guess this is relevant to the current situation, but normally we have uh, a group room in our, our facility or in, in the fire station. So that's a social space where people, people are free to come in. They don't need to engage with any other part of the service. They can literally come into the building and grab a cup of coffee or a bio. Um, yeah. And if that's all they want, then they're welcome to do so, and that's fine. But obviously, it provides opportunity for them to enter the space and um, sort of check it out and see if they feel comfortable with us. And then HGO is located also in the group room to make sure everything goes okay. Um, they will make 
active attempts to gently uh, introduce themselves to people who come in for a coffee or a Milo, uh, to try and start the engagement process um, so that people can then gradually be linked into uh, seeing a nurse or seeing a counsellor or seeing a doctor start addressing their health needs. So certainly, normally, people can get a cup of coffee with us. It's just, unfortunately, because of coronavirus, you have to shut the group room. So so in some ways to clarify this, it's not a waiting room, it's more like a drop in centre or a drop in place to just come it's and more, yeah, it's chill out. Centre, um, yeah. within the clinic space. So we have separately to that we have the waiting room. Uh, but the group room, um, like I said, has coffee and Milo, but we also hold um, health promotion events in there. So sure. we'll occasionally have a barbecue, for example, um, to celebrate um, you know important days in the calendar. Um, or uh, we'll, or for example, have a barbecue to promote hepatitis C testing and to raise awareness and to engage people yeah. that way. Um, or we'll do. Um, Sort of health education blitzes in there where uh, either a doctor or a nurse or a counsellor um, talks to the people there about a specific health issue on that day. So it is really uh, an engagement tool, um, hopefully, uh, again, aiming for doing that in a, in a manner that's um, appropriate for the people that we're dealing with. Mm, beautiful. So, Vincent, the next question's a little bit more personal in the sense that during this podcast series and the number of articles in the uh, in the magazine, I've talked about what a typical shift looks like. So I'd be interested if you might share with our listeners a little bit, what is it like as a doctor working in a homeless health service like Curtin Road? And what's it like to do your job and what, what happens over a normal day? What's a typical day like? Well, I think, uh, I don't think any of the doctors are going to look at me funny if I say that there is no typical day at Curtin Road Centre. <laughs> um, yep. Because it is, because it's all dropping, there's no, not really any appointment system, or there is no appointment system. We literally um, sort of meet people when they come in and, and try to address their problems as they come in. Um, so because, because of that, the whole nature of, Working at Curtin Road Centre, it can feel, um, well, maybe, I don't know, I, mean, I, I, I hesitate to say the word chaotic because, um, you know, obviously as a medical unit manager, I try to add structure to the day so that people uh, are supported in um, providing good clinical care. But yeah. by the very nature of the way the place runs, there is a, a, a somewhat of a sense of chaos at times where there's, you know, there's lots of things happening, people coming in, some people... Um, coming in, uh, sometimes you know, sometimes people come in quite intoxicated, or people come in in an acute crisis, uh, a mental health crisis, or a social crisis, um, yeah. and all that needs to be dealt with. And obviously, we you know, we can't say, okay, well, you need to come back at another time. It just needs to be dealt with there and then. So it can a work day can feel a little bit um, chaotic at times. But um, the flip side of that is. That you know, we work with a really um, supportive team. I think there really is a, a team atmosphere at Curtin Road Centre where people uh, understand that everyone is trying to do the best they can for every person that comes through the door, and everyone's there to support each other in delivering that care. Um, so even though things can feel a bit unpredictable, I um, I think that everyone does feel adequately supported um, through that unpredictability. Um, so, so that doesn't really answer your question because it doesn't tell you what is a difficult day looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've just told so me that it's, it's, it's atypical. 
So tell me, uh, do you, uh, just just a question then, do you do shift work? Do you go out in the mobile van sometimes, stay in the, the clinic sometimes? Do you mix it up yeah, a bit? Yeah, so clinic, um, we, we probably have less shift work than uh, most hospital environments. Um, our clinic, our main clinic open from 9.30 to 5 every day. Um, and those are sort of set hours, sort of Monday to Friday. But you're right, maybe uh, average bus runs at different hours. So during the week, it runs on different shifts. So on some days we'll do evening work uh, until 9 o'clock at night. And on yeah. other days, uh, during the day. And that depends on which locations we go to. So we go to two to three locations a day with that um, bus. Yeah, um, okay. And depending on which ones we go to, we'll adjust the times because different times are suitable for different locations. Um, so those, you know, that does add another degree of variability to the week in that the doctors are also going out on the outreach bus. So some days they may be at the clinic, some days they may be out on the bus. Um, and then obviously we also run our internal um, education program. So, um, mm. for example, Wednesday mornings we run um, clinical education for um, all our clinicians. Fantastic. So when, when you first studied medicine, did you ever think you'd be working where you are now? <laughs> when I first studied medicine, I didn't even know Tessie Road Centre existed before I didn't even like it. So yeah, definitely not. Um, although I must say, I'm, uh, and I was saying this to someone this morning, I'm very happy to be here. It's, uh, it's, right. it's just such a, um, it, it, it kind of, and it sounds perhaps a bit weird, but it really does feel like a, a large extended family. Um, and everyone really is here because they want to be here. The people that work here work here because they feel passionate about the work that they're doing. No one's here because you know they're trying to further their career or have other aspirations, and this is the stepping stone. People really choose to work here, and mm. that just makes for a very solid team. Um, so it is a big pleasure to work with people here. I, I, I must I must admit, Vincent, during this podcast series, speaking to a number of people working in homeless services and homeless health services, that, that that's a common theme. People feel really passionate about this work, and it's just lovely to hear. Look, you've already unpacked this a little bit, but I just wondered if there was anything extra you wanted to add about the response, um, particularly of a service like yours during COVID-19. Is there what, what do you see the future of health services? in this pandemic and as I think someone said on the, the, the news the other night, this is the first of ongoing pandemics that we may be facing. Is that going to change what you do in the longer term? Yeah, look, it's been, it's been a huge challenge responding to coronavirus. Many health services have responded to coronavirus by switching a lot of their services to telehealth um, and having mm. a lot of phone-based consultations. Um, and very reasonably so, but unfortunately for most of our clients, that doesn't work. So a lot of our clients um, either don't have phones or their situations can be quite complex and you know, talking to the mobile phone just doesn't quite cut it um, in order to solve their problem. Um, so we, you know, we, we have uh, looked at adapting some of our service delivery to telehealth. Um, yep. And we are, for example, the counsellors are offering phone-based counselling. Um, we do offer phone-based uh, telehealth with the doctors and nurses, but the, the uptake has been quite low. Um, most people, the vast majority of people still prefer to come in and see yep. people face-to-face. Um, so it has, it's been a challenge. Uh, we have had to implement the sort of physical distancing measures. Like I said, we've had to close the group room, which... Yep, we were really hesitant about doing 
Uh, we feel the group is a really important space uh, as a, as a both to provide people with support, uh, it provides people with somewhere to go during the day, but it's also an important engagement tool to, to promote um, working, to promote um, sort of access to service by people who may have not previously accessed the service before. Um, yep. So that was the real boss to the service, having to close that. We had to implement a screening uh, process when people come into the service um, where we check their temperatures and we ask them about all the sort of case definition, case definition questions around coronavirus, which have changed over the last couple of months. You know, obviously, first asking people whether they travel, which was always seemed like a bit of a, often seemed like a bit of a ridiculous question. Uh, mm, whether yeah. they've been to China or something. Um, but, you know, we, um, and then asking them if they had symptoms. And so that process is still ongoing. Um, and it does, it, it you know, it changes the feel of the place a bit. Yeah. Changes the feel of what you're providing. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's, uh, it's counter to what we were really aiming for. We're trying to be a really welcoming service where there are no barriers. And now we are having to put these barriers in place, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, they're there for a good reason, but it, it just makes things more difficult. Um, yeah. And obviously the whole, as we talked about, uh, coronavirus testing on outreach um, has been really important. Um, and it's, uh, we feel very passionate about providing that to uh, people who may be rough sleeping, or uh, we also have do that service at the front of um, sort of housing commission, housing and certain areas of the city, again, to try and uh, make sure that people who are a bit marginalised and finding it difficult to access mainstream health services, that they do still have access to coronavirus testing. Mm. Um, but that has required a lot of staff time, which obviously means that it's more difficult to provide other services because as with any health service, you know, we only have limited staff um, yeah. and limited budget and we have to make sure that we deliver everything, that all our services are delivered by the, the limited amount of staff and a limited budget. So it has added extra challenges. Um, we, you know, the coronavirus space is constantly evolving and mm. uh, we are constantly re- adapting. <laughs> yeah, adapting our service to see you know, yeah. how can we adapt to these changes and yet uh, make sure that we provide the op- sort of optimal service that we can possibly provide within those changes. Yeah. Um, so but, you know, the challenge is how this you know how this will evolve over the next few months. Um, I, I imagine some of these changes will need to continue in the longer term. But then mm-hmm. we're seen to see you know what can we reopen? Like can we can we reopen for more elective uh, matters like sexual screening and people who don't have symptoms? Which you know there's the things that we have to come back on. Can we reopen those? And can we reopen the group room? And if we do. How, how do we do that in a way that is safe, as in keeps um, our clients safe and doesn't increase their risk of uh, exposure to coronavirus, but also how do we keep our staff safe? Because this is real, you know, it's already difficult with increased demands in our staffing to be able to provide all our services. But if mm-hmm. some of our staff need to go home because they've potentially been exposed to coronavirus, then that, provides, you know, that makes things just even more difficult. So we need to be really careful about that. Mm. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Vincent. That's a, quite a, a detailed sort of description of some of the challenges you're facing. Look, our final question, and then we'll, we'll be coming to a close shortly, but um, as I've been asking everyone on this podcast series, is there a story or an encounter that you've had over your life 
that inspire that has inspired you and gives you that inspiration to keep making a difference and keep doing the work you're doing. Oh, uh, look, every day there we have encounters like that. Um, it's it's it is. I think it is a real privilege to work in this setting, and you know. Every day I go to work and I, 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 I do the job that I'm supposed to be doing and I leave at the end of the day and go, you know, again, you've managed to make a difference for at least one or a few or however many people uh, on that day. Um, and I think, you know, that a lot of people do work around the place, but I think it's just, it is a good privilege to be in that position where you can leave work and feel that you've done something worthwhile. Um, right. There's lots of examples I could give you of people <laughs> where, you know, we've had a consultation and, uh, you know, life has just generally been um, filled with problems and we've managed to uh, overcome a few of those problems for that person on that day um, and sort of, you know, go, you know, follow them along the journey of um, creating a, a more um, pleasant life for them or a life that um, they enjoy living um, and that's, I guess, what it's all about is, you know, working with people um, to um, achieve the goals that they want to achieve. Um, and that journey is, uh, is very rewarding. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Vincent. It's uh, been a real pleasure in speaking to you today. Thanks for being on the podcast series. Thanks, John. And again, thanks very much for um, letting us talk about uh, what we do at Curtin Road Centre. Like I said, there's a lot of people, uh, even the other day, we were seeing someone under the bridge at um, Central Station early in the morning, and he hadn't heard of Curtin Road Centre. And uh, the more we can do to let people know that we exist and you know, how they can find us, the better it is. Fantastic. Thanks, Vincent. Thanks, John. To subscribe to a printed copy of Parody Magazine, visit chp.org.au forward slash parity. This podcast series has been developed by St. Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St. Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music track for this podcast is called Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod host of incompetech.filmmusic.io and is licensed under the Creative Commons 4.0 by Attributions Licence. This information, information about our guests and more can be found in the text under the podcast description. Thanks for listening.